Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. And I'm really thankful. 36 years of uh, being able to preach, preach the Bible. And, um, <laughs> you, know, you know, we're all just ordinary people, right? And, uh, and this isn't false humility. We're just, we're just ordinary people. And, uh, but I'm thankful that God gives us, he gives us a, a pattern and a path to follow. We just got to try not to refigure it all out, <laughs> right? Just do what God wants us to do. And, um, boy, he sure will. He leads, he guides, and he blesses. And, you know, it's, life can take a lot of different turns beyond our control. We, we've been through that individually, corporately. We've been through things like that. <clears throat> but um, it's just good to know that at the end of our days, we see Jesus. And uh, it's going to be a great day. I wanted, I wanted to cover some uh, major Bible doctrines. And just in the past few weeks, uh, so I brought a message on heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven. It's uh, going to be pretty amazing. And uh, heaven, I, I believed in hell before I got saved. I believed in heaven, hell, Jesus. And, uh, but I think the thing that I was more motivated by heaven than hell, personally. I knew I had to repent of my sin, and that, that was not a problem. I knew there was a penalty for sin. But I'm just thinking, who would not want to go to heaven? And uh, it's not just academic. You know, you want to go to heaven, check this box. But, uh, but who would not want to go to heaven? And what's the plan? I remember when I first started going to church at, at uh, Temple Baptist Church. I was meeting in the basement of a key bank up in the corner of Route 9 and 146. And they opened up the Bible and read from it. And I'm thinking, well, this is, this is unique. Um, and I read it for myself. I don't want to take anybody's word for it. I was a little, little critical, not super suspicious, but I don't want to just take anything. And uh, find out that uh, it really does come down to the Word of God. And I'm so thankful for it. You know, people can come and go on their fads and nuances, whatever it may be, but you can't, only a fool would dispute that there is one God, that he sent his son Jesus to bear our sin on the cross of Calvary, that the word of God is true, and someday we will stand before him. There's an inevitability that every single human soul faces, and that's meeting God. We want to meet him right. So we talked about heaven, and that was a few weeks old. Last week we talked about hell. Actually, I did more talking than you did. You may have noticed that. Uh, but we covered the topic of hell. And uh, today I want to go over the Bible, the power of the word. And kind of a, the backdrop. Uh, we, we, live, we live in a very uh, protected society, the United States of America. And uh, we should be very thankful for it. it. It's not a freedom that came easily. It's freedom that was, that was fought for. And there was a, a great price paid for it. And we're not a spotless nation by any means, stretch of the imagination. But God, through all the, the myriads of complexities of human nature and, and good versus evil, has somehow preserved for us a safe environment in which the word of God can, can be preached and can be followed. And we're not persecuted 
for our faith yet. And I mean, there's a lot of outside opposition coming in. I mean, you stand up and say there's two genders, and all of a sudden people think you're, you're a hate person. Are you crazy? Nobody argued this 20 years ago. But we just stand on the Word of God, and that's not the issue why we're here today. We stand on the Word of God. And uh, there have been people, when a Soviet official years ago was, at, was asked why a study of the Bible was frowned upon in his country, and why those who dared to print and distribute it were severely punished, he said, we find that the reading of the book changes people in a way that is dangerous to our state. Yes, sir, that's true. We're Bible-believing people. We take what the Word of God says above what any man says. During World War II, when the Nazis occupied new territory, they immediately placed all Christians in concentration camps if they made public commitments to the Word of God. They had found that those who clung to the Bible would not compromise their faith or yield to the evil edicts of a godless dictator. Yep, yes, sir, that's true, still true. The same type of opposition was manifested during the Boxer Rebellion in China. A little girl whose father had been murdered because of, of, of his faith hid herself in a cornfield to elude her persecutors. She was soon discovered and threatened with death if she did not reveal where the family Bible was concealed. Testifying that it was her daily strength and stay, she refused to tell them and soon was cruelly martyred. She chose to die rather than give up that treasured volume. Those who continue to oppose spiritual liberty, those who oppose civil liberty and spiritual liberty continue to suppress the God-inspired scriptures for they consider them dangerous. The word of God will always be dangerous to the enemies of the cross, will always be, and that's why it is so incredibly important in our lives. It, what is the significance of the Bible? It gives us life. It gives us the words of life. It tells us what God thinks about things, good, bad, or indifferent. It tells us what God thinks about things. And the difference that Christianity has from all other world religions, virtually any other world religion, is its claim to having an absolute authoritative written answer from God that is essential to a Christian's growth and is meaningful for our eternal destiny. The standards by which we as Christians are to govern every detail of our lives are found contained within the pages of the Word of God. And this is just an introduction. I haven't gotten to the point yet. I'm not going to keep you for a long time. It's not going to be the shortest sermon you ever heard. But what is the Bible? We're going, to talk, we're going to turn to Matthew 4 in just a minute, but just by way of introduction, the words of God are infallible. They're infallible. And I'm not a complicated person. I like study. I like doctrine. I've understood a few things over time. But I always fall back on this. If you don't know what the Bible means, sometimes you just, you just got to take it for what it says. It's absolutely true. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the Bible says... All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. All scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, are, are, is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. And, you know, it's funny, when, when the Bible says that, that he breathed the scriptures. It's, it inspired means God, inspired of God means theonostis, means God breathed. It means God breathed the Holy Scriptures in the same way he breathed life into Adam. God breathed forth the very words of God. They're preserved, they're for us today. And uh, my last scripture of, of introduction, and uh, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 
This is just a foundation for a very simple application of this truth. See, we say it's true, we say it's eternal, and it is, it absolutely is. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you doubt it. I mean, it matters to you if you doubt it. It doesn't matter to objective truth if you doubt it. It's absolutely true. I've known people who were unbelievers, and then they got plugged in the Word of God. They said, it's absolutely true. This is incredible. I can't believe I haven't known it all this time. And I've known some believers, who profess believers, who say they, they now have increasing doubts about the Word of God probably just a result of the lives that they like to lead, and they don't want to face the consequences, so they pretend like, the, like it's not there. But the Bible's always true. Always, always true. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21, it says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount, referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's true. It doesn't need a lot of explanation. It needs to be, it certainly needs to be believed. But that's the basis for what we're talking about today. Now we're going to take a look at, at, at one case, and we could look at many. One case in which the power of the word of God was really demonstrated as an example for everyone to follow. And that's Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. We're going to read that and then we're going to pray. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. You know, regardless of our religious upbringing, our background, whatever it may be, this Bible is going to be true. It always has been true. It's true now. It always will be true. And a wise man will never ignore that which is inevitable. And what is inevitable is that we will be judged according to things contained in the Word of God. And so it's so incredibly important that we read it, study it, and, uh, and certainly apply it. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, the Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward in hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh, up, taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that's ours to be in your house. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God that we have with us. Lord, we thank you for the spirit of God that dwells in, in many of us. And Lord, we pray just will fill this place with your honor and your glory. We thank you, Father. And we give you all the honor and glory. We are, we are simply unprofitable servants doing that which our Lord has commanded. And we love you. We thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the word of God that we have with us. It has blessed and directed our lives. And we can see in virtually every good step that our lives have ever taken. It came because of a precept in the word of God that we follow, that we, we put into practice. Lord, we ask that the, if there be any here today that have not yet repented of their sin and trusted Jesus Christ to be their personal Savior, Father, we pray that this would be the day of salvation. Help us always, Lord, to hold up the word of God, the message of the gospel, the forgiveness of sin that's found in Jesus Christ for a lost and dying world. Lord, we ask that you'd bless this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The power of the word of God. What we see here in the first four verses is uh, faith in the word of God. It's the first temptation is that he, the word of God gives us strength in times of distress. Verses 1 through 4, we've already read them, but just for reference sake, it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted, now, he was in human form. He's human. Theonustus, he, or uh, the, um, I forget what you call that term, but it's a, it's a combining of the divine with, with man, Jesus' existence. But he was a man, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says, And afterwards he hungered, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He was led by the Spirit to a place of distress. That's where he was led. He was led by the Spirit to this place. We will sometimes, or people may think from time to time, that, well, if you're led of the Spirit, you'll be able to somehow navigate around the twists and turns and the challenges that life brings. That's not what happened here, and it's not what happens in our lives. God will not direct us around all of these things, but sometimes, according to his perfect will, lead us directly to that place, because we need to be in that place for a very specific reason. This case was very clear. He, he went through this time of testing. If you were the devil, and I happen to know that you're not, but if you were the devil and you wanted to, you thought there was ever a time when you could get Jesus to fail, well, you'd find him in his earthly form. You'd find him when he's not with the angels and the angels singing glories with the Father in heaven. You're certainly not going to try to get there. You can't even get in the room. You can't do it. So you wait until he comes to earth. And not just any time. And I'm sure there were times at his death, he, he, Satan tried to have him killed with Herod's commandment, to kill all the, the children two years of age and younger. That didn't work. And so now he's in this weakened condition. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Some of you overate last night. <laughs> I, I was one of them. And I only overate to be sociable. <laughs> and this morning, I shared a Sunday school. I, I try to stay away from carbs. Yeah, Bonnie does a good job. She has only gluten-free stuff in the, in the house. And it's just, frankly, not as attractive as good bread. So it's not hard to stay away from, uh, from, from bread. But somebody put it in the room. And there were two boxes, two pizza boxes, filled with garlic bread this morning. 
They're not filled anymore. <laughs> this is not a low-carb day. And Joan, I bring all this up because Joan said in Sunday school, does that mean you can resist anything but temptation? <laughs> I think that's about right. But can you imagine? So I couldn't even go 10 hours between meals. Now, of course you could have, and we've done that. And we fasted. I fasted, you fasted. And there are very special times when we fasted. Very personal uh, time that we've, we've chosen in our lives, in our schedule, to lay aside the eating, to fast, to seek something particular of God, and so we fast, and it's a meaningful time. And when you fast, if you fast for a day or two or three or four, you realize there's kind of, the first day is really tough. The second day, it actually gets easier. And, you know, it goes on like that for a little while. I've never even attempted to go this long. I, I've gone a few days, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know the longest I've gone. Not, it hasn't been a week, but, but a lot less than this. And if you go 40 days, who's fasted 40 days and 40 nights, it says, and afterward he is in hunger. You and I would have given up by day six. He was afterward in hunger. So if you were the devil, and you wanted to find him at his weak point, this is when you'd go. He's all by himself. He's in the wilderness. He took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. But he still could, took upon it. He felt hunger. He felt pain. He had all the human connectedness that you and I have. And if you were going to find a weak spot, this would be it. And so the Holy Spirit of God led him to this place. It was a place of distress. And he led him to a place of weakness. It says he fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward and hungered. And it's, it's amazing. Then that's when he doesn't meet temptation. He didn't meet a box of garlic bread sitting on the stove. Now, I didn't look at that as sin, to be honest with you. Maybe approaching gluttony if I had another piece, but I didn't have that other piece. So just, but this, you and I have been tempted before. And th think of, now, you don't spend too much time on it, but there are areas of your life that you're tempted in more than the person next to you. And we all have those areas, but not a single one of us has ever gone face to face against Satan himself. Oh, we've had challenging times and maybe some very unusual times, but I don't think we've ever hit a time like Jesus had. And when he got there, and he's led of the Spirit to this place, a time of weakness. And then he's led here by the Spirit to exalt the Word of God. Because there's power in the Word of God. Jesus could have said, get out of here. When Satan said, I don't want to jump the gun a little bit, but when Satan said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, he could have said, I made them. But Satan was tempting him. And what was his response? In verse 3, it says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God. Now he's weak. If it was me, or if it was you, we might be tempted to say something like, What do you mean if? You know I am. You were there. I kicked you out. You can do only what I tell you you can do. I've limited your influence. And someday I'm going to cast you in the lake of fire. Don't say if I'm the son of God. But Jesus didn't say that. You and I may have said that. Jesus didn't say that. It says, the Bible says, the tempter came to him, if thou be son of God, command these stones made bread. And then in verse 4 it says, but he answered and said, it is written. He answered and said, it is written. It is written. God's word is established. God's word is established. I have a verse that's going to meet this specific instance, and it's going to work. And by the way, when Jesus used this verse, he didn't have to use another one. That's all it was. Satan moved on to the next point. It says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If you're really a son of God, then make these stones be bread. He could have done it. No problem. He could have had the clouds 
right in the sky. Jesus is the Son of God, believe on him. He could have had the rocks cry out at any instant along his earthly ministry. He chose not to. And in this case, with the devil, the devil said, if you're really the Son of God, then command these stones to be made bread. I know you're hungry. He said, it is written. It's already settled. We don't need to talk about this anymore. We don't need to negotiate. There's no speculation. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the word of God will give us strength, and it really does give us strength. It absolutely, it'll give us strength when we have it. We, we've got to have it, and we ought to meditate on it. And I'm not trying to make this an out-of-reach moment, like, we need to read the Bible every day, meditate in an hour's day, memorize scriptures, and kind of make it an out-of-reach thing. And all those things are true, and all those things we ought to do. But we don't need to be a Bible scholar. And maybe you didn't read it every single day. We should read it every day. We should meditate and study, all those things. But God's Word is always quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's always all of the sustenance we ever need. And what's an amazing thing about it is we spend time in the Word of God is the times when God will bring back to our remembrance the things we forgot we even read. And I've had this happen. We've shared testimonies individually of, of verses God brings to your mind when you're talking to someone. It could be about salvation. It could be about some life struggle. Someone's going through maybe a personal challenge you're going through, and God will bring back the Word of God to us. When you're going through a hard time, uh, there, there are people that that we know we can go to about certain situations, maybe about any situation, maybe about certain situations, but sometimes we just counsel ourselves. And I know we do. We read the Bible. We think about things. What are we going to do? And a lot of times, when I'm in a situation, I'm not quite sure at the start what to do, a little uncertain. I, I think to myself, what would I tell someone else if they came with this exact situation? And then it kind of frees me up a little bit, just in my mind, just kind of helps me relax a little bit. Then I think, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about these things? See, the Bible always has the answer. It really does. It always has the answer. And it seems a little elusive at first. Wait, because it'll give it to you. God will give it to you. So the, the Bible has power in times of distress. Jesus is facing the devil face to face, literally face to face, after 40 days of fasting in the desert alone, nobody around other than just him and the devil. That was distressing. You and I can have distress points. It's not as big as that. And that's why I want to use this as our, as our pivot point, because we've never seen anything like that. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He went through the temptation that you and I have gone through, will go through, are going through. How do you get through it? It is written. Helps in times of distress, helps in times of doubt. Verses 5 through 7. 5 through 7 says... Then the devil taketh him up into an holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, <laughs> It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It was times of doubt. Not, I don't think Jesus ever had a doubt. I don't think he ever had a doubt. He, he, he's, the impeccability of Christ, his inability to do that which is wrong, would prevent him from ever having a doubt. Jesus never doubted. But he's our example, and you and I have doubted. We've doubted about a particular situation, about a, maybe uh, an event in life, maybe about some area of belief, some matter of faith. Somebody brings up a point, oh, maybe evolution really is true. 
And if you ever think that maybe evolution really is true, just hit your head against the door a few times and then give me a call. Uh, you know, it's just, but uh, you know, I bring that up as just totally a side point. We may have doubts. Issues may come up. But the word of God will always be true. And it will give us strength at these times. And we may not know it right away. Well, sometimes, and, and I'm still in the same place as you are, sometimes we just need to go back to the Bible. Maybe break out a little concordance or a, a little uh, a Google search or Bible search on, on what the Bible says about, about a particular topic. The incredible thing is when, when we doubt, uh, God's word will, straight, will straighten us out. And the beautiful thing about doubt, and it really is, if you've ever doubted, it's, it's, it's terrible. I mean, you feel terrible. It's like, oh, you can't. we're actually wondering if these things are true. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've, I haven't doubted about it. I've wondered if I can figure out some biblical things from time to time. I don't think I've ever doubted. I mean, since getting saved, I couldn't explain to you all the reasons on the, on, the, on the deity of Christ when I first got saved, but I believed it was so. Found some verses, find more verses about creation, about these various things. But I've never doubted. You know why? Because somebody told me once that this book was the word of God. And I remember sitting in a pew one Sunday morning saying, Amen. And you know what? There are a bunch of people around me. They said, Amen. And I believed what was going on was true. Do you believe the Bible's the word of God? Amen. Guess what? It is true. It is the word of God. Always has been, always will be. Whether we say amen or not, it's still the word of God. But I remember saying, you know what? I believe it's the word of God. I knew a little bit about the men who had gone before me, men and women who had gone before me, studying the word of God, laid their lives down for the word of God, the method by which the word of God was, in, was inspired and then preserved and given us unto this day. And I didn't know all the details about it. I just knew it was so. And I knew that if it was so, I have nothing to fear. As a matter of fact, shortly after I got saved, I was going to Siena College. I'm going on a little bit longer today, but going to Siena College, the very first day of religion class, the professor said, the Bible is written by men. It has errors and contradictions in it. For instance, men didn't really live to be as old as the Bible said. They were merely given that age in the book of Genesis, according to the relative importance to the Bible story. I thought to myself, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I didn't have all the scripture verses on him, but I, I had some good questions for him, and we went back and forth the rest of the semester. But you may not have all the answers right away. And you may wonder, what is the next step? What is going to happen? In times of doubt, faith in the word of God will, will absolutely give us strength and, and guide us through. He, he was taken by, the, taken by the devil to a place of testing. That's what it says in verse, verse, uh, verse 7. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse... Verse 5 through 7, um, in verse 5 it says, Then the devil takes him up into the holy city, and says upon a pinnacle of the temple. Imagine that, the devil took Jesus somewhere. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I wonder what that cab ride was like. The devil taking Jesus somewhere. Jesus wasn't worried. Probably if there ever was a weakest point in his existence, this may have been it, but guess what? He had no weakness. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. Still not worried. Not wondering, am I going to make it through? Boy, I hope this works out. He was rock solid. Times of doubt. What, what was his answer? It is written. It is written. It is written. And then the last point is in times of danger. Look at verses 8 through 11. The Bible gives us strength. Power. Again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of them. 
And say then to him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. He finally told him, Just get out of here. There's no negotiation. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. It was a dangerous time. There are times when we're in danger. You know, there's different levels of this. Jesus was taking this high mountain, and, uh, and, and, and the devil showed him all the kingdoms. What amazes me, and I see this, when we don't have, when, when we're not resolved to where we're willing to give ourselves for the Bible, for the cause of Christ. And we don't know where that's going to lead. We don't know what the application may be. But there's got to be some point along the road after we say, we say, I don't care what anybody else does. And of course we do for their own benefit. But as far as what I'm going to do, I don't care what anybody else does. I just want to follow the Lord. And I see in people's lives, and I think sometimes they didn't make that decision yet. And they're and like anybody, evil communications corrupt good manners. We set ourselves in a bad situation. It kind of leads us, can lead us to a very bad place. And I've seen people back off of this. Where all of a sudden, instead of being the one, and by the way, we, we have this truth. This is the word of God. We have this truth in earthen vessels. We should be the instructors, not the disciples in these days, in the world in which we live. We need to be the ones that's, blazing the trail that's, that's leading others to the cause of Christ, not listening to their silliness and, and abstract philosophies. It always comes back to the word of God. This third temptation protected him against the, all the power of the flesh. Think about it. Some people are bought out. And, this, and, the reason what, and I'll, I'll close with this thought. What I've seen in some instances, and it's heartbreaking to see, is because of relationships, or insecurities, or whatever it may be, people start following these other ways. And it never wins. The devil offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. If, if the devil offered us, literally, all the kingdoms of the world, I hope, by the grace of God, and this is not a situation that I expect to happen, we would say, no. It is written. We would say, no, I have enough. I have Jesus. This is what happened to Jesus. Devil offers of all the kingdoms of the world. He said, not a chance. But so many people, matter of fact, I'd say most of the world today have sold out their spiritual well-being because of the allurements of this world and of the flesh. Jesus met with the adversary. He defeated him by faith. It says in verse 10, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. We covered a lot about the Bible. I mean, it's just a snippet of all that could be covered. Squeezed a lot in there. But taking it from a sermon, taking it from points of agreement, they might check the box yes on, and taking it to where I love this book is the place that we need to be. Because it really is the words of life. It really is the word of God. It really is the source by which we live and the means by which we'll be judged. We need to love the Word of God. Never be ashamed of it. Never be ashamed of the Word of God. Hold it up, stand behind it, rest upon it. It will never, ever let us down. Let's, let's bow our heads for just a moment.
the Word of God. It's the Bible. Jesus is the living Word. The Bible is the written Word. Have you received Christ as your Savior yet? Looking around, I know most people have. But the Bible's very clear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And except you repent, you shall likewise perish. We need to come to that place, friends, where we admit we're honest before God and with ourselves. God, I'm so sorry. I sinned. But I believe there's a Savior. His name is Jesus. He died. He paid the penalty for my sin on the cross. And I'll never make it on my own, but with him, I'm secure. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe that he died for me. My friends, it's the most important step that a soul could ever take. And what a blessed honor it is of us, for us to give that same message to others. The Bible. Do we love it? Do we respect it? Do we give it its proper place in our lives? I hope we do. Let's grow in that way. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.